Hello and welcome to the Simply Mental Podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Huntsville, Alabama. We're the only podcast dedicated to helping you live a healthier life emotionally and mentally. I am your host, Chris DePew, and I sure am glad that you joined us today. Hello friends, welcome to episode 3 of the Simply Mental Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad that you could you could tune in this week and you could download the file and listen. Uh, it's going to be a good talk, I think. Today we're going to talk about compassion fatigue, which is something that uh, is brought up by the recent events that we'll talk about in a minute. And then the other thing we're going to talk about today is what counseling is. What What is counseling? What does it look like to go to a counselor? Um, those kind of things. Okay, so those dispel some myths maybe about what really counseling is because people ask me all the time is this what counseling is or they'll say man I don't want to go because of this and sometimes I spend a lot of time dispelling myths about what counseling is and what it what it isn't so we'll talk about that but first there's a lot that's been going on in the world the last couple of weeks and I want to be able to address what's been happening and and not from any kind of uh, standpoint where I know how to help or I know what to do or I know how to fix things because I don't. I don't know how to fix things. I don't know how to make anything better all of a sudden. But I do want to take a minute and recognize that there's people suffering right now in Puerto Rico uh, in the Caribbean islands. Uh, The hurricane that went through there that's really caused a lot of devastation in their lives. Um, There's the shooting in Las Vegas. I want to make sure that I acknowledge that, you know, my thoughts and prayers aren't enough. They're not enough to to, to give you, but I'm giving you those, and and you you are in my thoughts and prayers, anyone that's affected by any of those uh, disasters that have have occurred. So I want you to know we all are thinking about you. This community is, is, is thinking about you. There's a lot of ways to give help. Uh, you know, there's if you can go and, and go to these areas and try to try to help out, that's great. If you can't, then there's ways to give financial support. There's prayer boards. There's a lot of things that have been set up. And again, my thoughts, my prayers, they're not enough. That's not enough. I'm not doing enough just by doing that. But I do want to make sure you know that we are thinking of you and we are praying about the situation. What we need to be doing uh, in particular to gun violence that we've seen in Las Vegas this last week is that I don't know any answers. I have no idea how to fix this from happening again, but I do know that we have to do something. I don't know what that something is, but I do think that we need to open the dialogue and, and talk about how we can start to fix this. Uh, it's becoming too too um, too much of a common occurrence, maybe. All right, so we'll move on from that and kind of move into what I want to talk about first, uh, which is compassion fatigue. Uh, And compassion fatigue, the definition of compassion fatigue is an extreme state of tension and preoccupation with the suffering of those being helped to the degree that it can create a secondary traumatic stress for the person that's helping. All right, so what does that mean? That means that if you are at home, there's two, two ways maybe. If you're at home and you are reading articles and you're watching the news uh, and you're following it very closely, the suffering that's going on all over the globe, and you're really digging into finding out why it's happening, what's going on that caused it, and you're really researching into it and you're really thinking about these people and praying about them, that it can be so stressful for you just from sitting at home and, and diving into it really deep as far as news and articles and research, that it can create a traumatic, a traumatic event for you. It can become a traumatic event and you can, uh, and, and you know, you never want to say that you can care too much, but it might be a, might be a, might be something that occurs. You could care too much to where it actually 
traumatizes you in knowing that there's this much stress out there. Most of the time when you think of compassion fatigue, you're thinking of people who are helpers, helping professions, uh, counselors, firemen, uh, police officers, uh, EMT, uh, all these kind of professions that do a lot of helping, help other people. They go through these events with people. They're on the ground helping in those times, much like volunteers, volunteers that go in, into these areas and help those affected. They, they're also fit into this category. Uh, I know that there's some counselors. I even have a colleague of mine that went to Houston or well, I think they were stationed in Mississippi or something, but they went, they went with the American Red Cross as part of a uh, volunteer unit to provide crisis counseling to those. So this is all over the place. Um, there, there are ways to do this. There's ways to get involved, but that's really not the point here. The point is that these folks can suffer compassion fatigue, but, but again, it's also those sitting at home. But mostly when we talk about it, we're talking about those who are boots on the ground, who are there helping, who are in the middle of it. Okay. So what do we do? Again, uh, what do we do to kind of help this? And again, it can be both people on the ground in the area and it can just be at home. So we have to first start by realizing that we have limits and we have to be able to be okay with those limits. We have to say, I know that I've had too much. I've, I've helped too much. I have seen too much today. I can't do any more. It's going to be traumatic. We have to know those limits. We might not know those limits until we get into it. We might start helping and then we just realize that we have to we have to take a break. So we have to start getting used to our limits and we have to also start telling ourselves that it's okay that we have limits. We can't help everybody all the time. There's only so much that we can do every day. We have to know what that limit is. We have to explore that limit with ourselves. And we have to start getting used to the fact that we have limitations like that, okay? I know it's it's hard. Nobody wants to talk about how they have a limit. They want to be able to, especially those who are very compassionate or empathic or, you know, people who really care for other people. Those are the people who don't ever want to think that they could stop um, helping because they, just, they have more to give. They continually have more to give. But we have to realize we have limits, okay? That's the first step. The next step is that we need to realize that if since we've realized that we have limits, we have to realize that we need to take breaks. We have to walk away at regular intervals and we have to figure out a way to recenter. Okay, so we have to do some meditation techniques, some breathing techniques. We have to get away from watching the news all the time, following it very, very closely. If this is creating stress and anxiety in your life, if you're just at home even watching the news, we can't allow that to affect us. So we have to take a break from the news. We have to step back for a minute. If you're on the ground helping, you have to be able to, to stop and go back to a shelter somewhere where you're staying and, and give yourself a few minutes, give yourself a day, give yourself a, you know, a couple of hours to where you recenter, you focus your attention back on you and what your needs are in the moment so that it doesn't create a traumatic event for you, okay? All right, so we have to walk away and give those, give the, yourself those regular intervals where we're taking breaks, okay? The last thing that the place needs whenever you are helping, the last thing it needs is to have another victim. We need more helpers and less victims. So that means you have to take care of yourself and, and take care of the team that you're with. Typically, if you're going into an area um, and helping, you're going to go into that area with a team of people. And that team of people really needs to help each other realize that somebody needs a break too. Okay, so that's a big part of it. But if you're just at home and you're starting to feel stress and anxiety from what's going on in the world and you're starting to feel yourself being stressed about it, you have to just 
realize those limitations and turn the TV off to go for a walk, do something that is important to you, that reminds you that the world is a decent place overall. We owe it to ourselves and to all the people involved, including the other victims. We owe it to everybody for us to take care of ourselves, okay? We don't need to create more stress and more problems at the at the location, at the location that you're you're kind of uh, stationed. We need we owe it to everybody to make sure that we can remain a helper and not a victim. So what do we do? What do we do to let go of that stress? let go of that anxiety. Um, the first thing, the first step that we can take is that we can find a symbolic practice that creates a break uh, from the time that you're a helper to the time you have to be you again, okay? So what, what, what I mean is sometimes uh, there can be therapeutic ways, that you, you know, like symbolic things that create the space for you to say, okay, now I'm not this person who's helping and wearing the stress of other people. I'm going into my regular life. And if that's the case, you have to build some symbolic practice. So for me, I know that symbolically, uh, I have a, you know I do counseling all day in a practice. So when I am done for the day and I have to go and be dad and be husband again, I can't wear everybody's stress out of the office. I can't take it with me like I do. Like when I'm here in the counseling office, I do I do carry it with me so that I can help people through it. But when I leave, I can't take it with me. So I have a symbolic gesture that I do, and then I go to the sink in the bathroom. And I slowly wash my hands and I tell myself that I'm washing off the stuff that I've had to wear while I'm here today so that I can go and be who I need to be to my family when I leave, okay? So that's what I mean by symbolic practice. Something that allows you to go through emotion, go through some sort of ritual that allows you to tell yourself, me as a helper is ending, I'm taking a break, and I can't bring that stuff with me. All right, so that's what we're looking for. Again, we need to take regular breaks to find find uh, the time to focus inward, to recenter, thinking, meditation, t- times where we take regular breaks in the day uh, to give us that moment to slow down and to recenter. Okay, and that allows us to allows us to refocus priorities and allows us to remember why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, it helps to keep us balanced. Okay, that's very important. The other thing we can do, especially, and this is if you're at home and you're getting feeling compassion fatigue from watching the news and really digging into trying to figure out how to help, or for those of us that can't, you know, that are on the ground or helping every day, nurses and doctors and police officers and firemen and all those, we have to sometimes stop and look around and notice how many other people are are, are helping as well. How many other people help on a daily basis, and that helps to remind us that we're not the only one out there trying to figure out how to help people. We're not the only one helping. We rely on other people as well. It takes all of us to make a, especially in a disaster type situation like what we saw in Houston and, um, you know, the Las Vegas shooting, all those things, it takes everybody in, uh, that, want, that can help to help together. Uh, one person can't do it on their own. So sometimes we just have to stop and look around and notice everybody else that is helping. Okay, so we have to notice everybody else that's helping and that's that will help remind us or refocus again, come back to center on what our purpose is and why we're doing what we're doing. Okay, 
All right. So, and, and, and again, I want to give a thanks to anybody out there that hears this, that is in the middle of helping, um, who is, um, especially boots on the ground who are doing the counseling, doing the hard work. They're putting, giving water out in Puerto Rico. They're making sure people have medical care that they need. All those people, you're special people. Um, and you have a place in my heart because I, I think that all of us share that compassion for each other. And that's the way that we should live. And those of you that are actually out there doing that, I really thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, I hope that, I hope that you get as much from it, uh, too, um, from helping as the people are getting from you because that's kind of part of this process to me i think that's an important lesson to learn from it is that we gain a lot when we help others uh and that's that's been the that's been the case in my life and i know that other people have said that too so thank you for what you do stay strong uh, we'll get through this and again anybody who can help uh, please find a way to help and if you can't find a way to help as far as change if you think we need to make changes in this country um, you know you can always write your representatives do those things ask people how to help how to make change because again thoughts and prayers are good and we need those but they're sometimes not enough and so if we can do other things we need to try okay all right. Well, let's transition over to a talk that I like doing. I like giving these talks a lot. I, I have I have groups where I have like a free session, and I'll just let a group come in and listen and ask questions about counseling. Uh, it's one of my favorite things I do because there's a lot of myths out there about counseling. Um, you know what counseling is, what it looks like, how it operates, how what it really is. You know, is what you see on the movies really what counseling is? And so I get all kinds of questions like that. Sometimes they they email me, and sometimes people call me and they ask me these things, and so and they share with them in the groups, like I mentioned, but I want to talk about some of them. Um, not all of them. I just want to talk about some that I hear regularly that kind of dispels the myths. Okay. So, and again, let me, let me start off by saying that this is according to me, all counselors out there have a different style, have a different approach. They talk differently. Their offices are set up differently, but just know that most of what I'm going to talk about today is pretty standard stuff. Um, as far as counseling is concerned, I'm not going to dig into actual practices used or theories that are practiced in the office. I'm really just going to talk about what the relationship itself looks like. Okay, so I'm, this is pretty generic, and I think this will be the case for most counselors out there. And again, some of the stuff I talk about, maybe not most counselors, but I will say, you know, this thing is most counselors maybe, but there are some that change that up. So I'll let you know when there are going to be differences. But for the most part, this is kind of a generic talk. Okay, all right, so let's, let's move on. So the very first thing I want to talk about is the fact that we don't give advice we've never given advice we we are we are advised against giving advice from our liability insurance companies counselors aren't here to tell you how to do life that's not our job that's not frankly that's not what we want to do we don't we don't want to tell people how to live life that's just not the way this works so we don't give advice and so let's expand that a little bit what that means is if you come in here with a problem you have a breakup and you want somebody to tell you what to do or maybe you thinking about divorce and you're coming to counseling and you just want the counselor to say I, I you need to divorce your wife or you need to leave this doesn't make sense why are you staying that shouldn't be what we do I'm not gonna say there aren't counselors that do that they shouldn't be doing that um, that's not really the way we're supposed to operate but again a counselor's job is not to give advice uh, we help you 
figure out how to live your life in the most mentally healthy and emotionally healthy way. So if you come to the office, you come to my office and you say, I want, I need help through this. This is what's happening going on right now. I'm going to ask you what you think the best solutions are and what, what have you already thought about? And I'm going to try to get to the heart of what you feel like your life should look like. And once I do that, I will help you walk the path to get to the place that you think your life is the best. Not what I think, what you think, what you think your life should look like. I'll walk with you. We'll have sessions. We'll take, we'll take some time. We'll develop a relationship. But I'll be there with you the whole way through a counseling relationship. But I am not going to tell you which way to live your life or how to go or what decision to make. Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm going to help you try to figure out what the best option is for you. And then when you decide that, then I'll, I'll be there to help get you there. I hope that makes sense. We don't give advice. We're not here to tell you how to live life. We really don't want to do that. We would rather just help you figure out, uh, see the growth in you. You grow enough through the therapeutic relationship that you understand how you think you should live your life. That's, that's, the, that's the process. That's the way the process should work, okay? All right, so the next one is one of, uh, I guess it's a pet peeve of mine maybe, but for a period of time there, not that long ago, we had coaches. And so there's people that are called life coaches out there. And I don't want to talk bad about life coaches because that's not what I'm here to do because I'm sure they serve a purpose. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people who have gotten a lot of help from life coaches. So there's no reason for me to say anything bad about a life coach. What I will tell you is that for a period of time, it seems like there were there was either a training program or some sort of seminar that coaches were going through um, to get their certifications, uh, if they even have a certification. But if they do have certifications, they were going through these seminars. And there was one, I, I'm assuming, this is just a guess, but I'm, I think there was one that kept telling coaches that were asked the question, what's the difference between you and a counselor? I think they told them to answer the question like this. Well, coaches work on the present and the future. We help you now and in the future, and counselors focus on the past. Okay, so this is this is tough for me. I, I don't like that. I don't like that that was what somebody was sharing um, because it's not true. Not counselors don't just work in the past. Uh, I will even say for in my office, if you see my my style of counseling doesn't even really focus on the past much at all. I'm really wanting you to focus on the present moment and try to figure out how to make today better so tomorrow's even better than today. It's not true in my office for sure, but I also don't think that's true for most therapists, especially most therapists that I know. I don't, the only reason that we would spend a lot of time on something in the past is if you are, your decision making today is affected by that thing in the past. That's really the only time that we would spend a significant amount of time on anything that happened in the past. Um, if your life choices today were dictated by something that happened to you in the past, we need to look at the past. But other than that, we're going to try to just move forward. We're going to find, uh, we're going to find solutions for the problems that are coming up today. Whatever you feel like is a problem, we're going to find solutions for that. And we're going to try to make life more manageable for you. Again, that is kind of a solution focused approach. And I know that, but, and, and, you know, generally not everybody uses any kind of solution focused approach, but, but I will say that for most counselors, no matter what their true approach is, they're still going to try to get you to move forward as opposed to sitting you back into the past and digging through a lot. Okay. Again, there are counselors that are going to do that. And there are counseling theories that, re that require that you spend a lot of time in the past. But for the most part, most counseling these days is really going to be focused on moving forward. Okay. 
All right, so that answers that one. So tell all the coaches out there, any coach that's listening, listen up. Us counselors, we don't just focus on the past. Um, most of us really kind of focus on the future too. So uh, hopefully there's room for us coaches and, and counselors. I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill about coaches. So. Um, Hopefully we can all, we all know our limits and we all refer when we need to. And that's really what we need to know. Okay. All right. So the other thing, we don't manage medications. So I'm a talk therapist, a psychotherapist, which is truly just talk therapy. So talk therapists don't manage medications. Psychiatrists manage medications. So if you see the word counselor or somebody calls themselves counselor or psychotherapist or therapist, they're typically pretty much for the majority of everyone that calls themselves those things. They're not going to manage medication. Psychiatrists manage medication. They are medical doctors. They went to medical school. So that's who's going to manage medication. I will say in my area, I don't know that this is the way, the same way everywhere in the world, um, but most psychiatrists that I work with, they don't really do any talk therapy anymore they just manage medication so they they rely on us to do the talk therapy which is fine we like that so now as a side note there are some states that let psychologists so licensed psychologists manage medication there's a few states in the country that allow this um if that's the case in your state for the most part from what i looked at and what i saw is that the psychologist had to have a post doctorate master's degree in psychopharmacology before they would allow them to manage medication and again that's just a few states there's not very many states that are allowing that i know here in alabama that's not the case but i know there are some states that are doing that if they have a post doctorate master's degree in psychopharmacology so for somebody out there that's in i think one of the states is new mexico it's or arizona and louisiana i believe is another one for those states it looked like um psychologists could manage medication if they met certain criteria so that could be different where you live be sure to look up all the regulations for psychologists from where you live before you before you make a decision but again generally speaking psychologists also don't manage medication they mostly do testing to be honest so um everybody that's a state licensed counselor no matter really the state you're in um I don't think that there's a state anymore that doesn't have requirements for counselors. But anybody who, who puts a sign out that says they're a counselor must have a minimum of a master's degree uh, to be state licensed. Uh, and, and there are regulations around the word counselor, so that you even be able to call yourself a counselor um, in, in a lot of states, probably most states. You have to have some sort of education. You can use other words like coaches or things like that. But for the most part, if you're going to call yourself a counselor, you need to have the minimum education of a master's degree. Again, check your state. It may be different um, from the research I did to put this together. It looks like most states require a minimum of a master's degree. Um, now, again, there may be some outliers out there that it's different, but minimum of a master's degree. A lot of talk therapists will have PhDs. Um, some of them, they teach in colleges or they do other things. But um, for the most part, master's degree is the minimum. And some 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 counselors have a PhD. Okay. Okay. So the next thing is that we don't want you to be with us forever. So a lot of people think that counselors, once you start going to counseling, you've got to always go to counseling. You have to always go to your therapist to figure out life, to get things done, to, to be able to live a certain way. And that's not true. Our job as a counselor is to work ourselves out of a job, really. 
What that means is, and that sounds funny, I know, but what that means is that we're really here to make you self-sufficient. We don't want to see you for the next 10 years. That's not that's not our goal. Our goal is not for you to always have to come back to us to make life manageable. I want to see you be able to develop the skills inside of our therapeutic relationship that allow you to live life the way you want to outside of my office without the need for me. That's the goal. For the most part, most counselors are going to live by that goal as well. There's going to be some that have practice a style of counseling that may not lend itself to that. They, I don't, I can't think off the top of my head what that might be, but I do know that there's probably some counselors out there that don't share that same view and that's fine. You know, that's, that's their case. But for the most part, our, our job is to work ourselves out of a job. Okay. All right. So ultimately what we're after is that we're hoping that you develop a relationship enough with us that we have provided a judgment-free zone for you to explore your emotions and your thoughts that you can't have anywhere else. So let's say you have emotions or thoughts that are very hard for you to process or that you don't understand um, and you can't tell anybody that you feel that way maybe. Maybe you're too embarrassed about the way that it feels or the way that the things that you're thinking. We provide a zone, an area, an office for you to come and be whatever you need to be for that hour, it's typically an hour. So whatever you need to be when you come to our office, it's you're free to be that without any judgment, without any condemnation, without anything telling you that you can't be a certain way. You see, we don't have a vision of normal. I'll say that for the most part, most counselors don't have a vision of normal that they try to push everybody toward. That's not the goal. Again, I've said that a lot, but that is also not the goal. The goal is not to have a, a vision of normal that I'm moving people toward. You get to tell me what normal looks like to you, how you want to live life, and I'll walk with you to get there. That's really what it's about. It really has nothing to do with anybody's view of normal. So don't don't expect that there will be a, a any kind of judgment in that direction. That's not what we want to do, okay? Well, thank you so much for joining me uh, today. I hope this was beneficial to you. And if you have any questions at all, please be sure to contact me. Uh, my contact information email address is chris at simplymental.net. Uh, you can also tweet at me. Uh, if you want to tweet at me, my handle on Twitter is HSV counselor. So HSV counselor on Twitter. If you want to talk to me that way, if you have something longer you want to send me, please email me and it's Chris, C-H-R-I-S at simplymental.net. If you enjoy this podcast, you enjoy the other podcasts that I put out, I would appreciate you going on iTunes and giving me a review. That means a lot to me. It really helps get exposure to the podcast, gets more people listening so we can build the community. So please do that if you don't mind uh, to give the podcast a rating on iTunes if you've enjoyed this. Um, the other thing, if you can and help support the podcast financially uh, it would just mean just as much to me as uh, as a review on itunes but if you're able to do that and you want to do that you can visit patreon.com forward slash simply mental and you can give as little as a dollar a month uh, to support the podcast you can see all the other options on there when you go to the website and that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash simply mental thanks so much we'll see you next week this has been the simply mental podcast thank you so much for listening i want to remind everybody that the information shared in this podcast is not meant to replace the information from a professional so if you need a professional please be sure to reach out and find a professional in your area thanks again for listening be sure to subscribe in itunes and also rate in itunes we'll see you next time.